Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. It is your host, Alec the Avocado Martinez. This is the Washed Up Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined here by my loyal co-host, Tyler Gibson. Tyler, it's a little hot outside. How you how you hanging? How you holding up? Oh, man, hanging short and to the left, but holding up all right. Um, it is hot. It is hot. You got to uh, keep yourself cool in these times, but being from Texas, we're used to it. It's fine. Yeah, please... Uh, Please ignore, you might hear the dog in the background. We got her inside tonight. It's a little too hot for her to be outside this afternoon. So if you hear the dog in the background, just say hi to Ava. Um, she's she's occupied with her toys right now, but she loves when Tyler's over. So Don't give her too much attention or else she'll be all up on you the whole time. Yeah. So uh, we're here to talk about fantasy football. Tyler and I today, are, what we're going to do, we're going to do a little Let's Talk About It segment. And we're just going to talk about some guys that we feel aren't getting covered very much on some of the other podcasts. Tyler and I... Uh, do our due diligence, listen to a lot of other podcasts, you know, four or five different ones uh, each week. And these guys that we're looking at, they're, some of them are more notable than others, but none of them are really being discussed uh, in depth. And so me and Tyler are going to take a little bit closer look at all of them. Before that, we want to go over uh, some news and notes, and then we got a, a, a couple mailbag questions. Um, the first the first mailbag question, or excuse me, the first thing about news and notes is, of course, about COVID-19. Uh, we've got a few good things. First off, they came to an agreement on daily testing. It's going to cost the NFL some money, but it's going to ensure player safety, which I think is going to get them to more players to show up. You know, we had Demarcus Lawrence, you know, as Cowboys fans come out and say he might not show up because his wife is pregnant. Some other players have expressed similar fears and are going through similar discussions within their family as to whether or not this is the thing to do. But it, this is the right direction. This is where we want to see them heading is coming to some kind of agreement. At least now we have discussions. I have a feeling that training camp will start relatively on time. Not rookie training camp, but but training camp as a team. That'll be good for a lot of these rookies. They said today, no preseason. I think that's not good. I, I think that's really bad for a lot of the rookies, I think it's really bad for a lot of these guys like Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and uh, Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. Well, Tom Some Brady don't care about COVID, man. He's been holding practices. He's probably one of the least impacted, but he is still going to a new team. So having the full on, you know, uh, just rigmarole of a preseason. Um, well, I guess that brings me to my question. Do you think that the the teams that are – that have been together longer, the Saints, uh, the Vikings and Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins, the, the Cowboys, uh, do they have a leg up uh, having the familiar, familiarity with each other, or do you think it's well, kind of a doesn't it's it's a, a moot point? Well, um, I mean, I think the Cowboys would have normally fallen under that, but just being with the new coaching staff, maybe behind the ball a little bit more. But yes, familiarity with each other. Um, is always good. But, yeah, I mean, we're talking about some of these rookies, and, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on uh, one or two here or there in this segment. But, um, yeah, it's it's just even more of an uphill battle than it might normally be. Uh, I mean, you have the obvious guys that are, you know, slotting into positions and um, roles with teams that they obviously feel the need. But you have other guys that there's a ton of potential there. But, something that may have normally taken them four to six games, you know, you might see yourself wait until after the bye week before they're really 
a staple in your lineup. And uh, so that's something that you got to take into consideration, too, when you're drafting. I agree. I, I think – I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as we make it out to be. Uh, there's not a lot of rookie quarterbacks who are going to have a chance to start. Just Joe Burrow and – I mean, Joe Burrow starting regardless. Um, I mean, they're going to be bad for actual football in terms of their team success. But – it should be okay for fantasy. Right. And and you look at some of the other rookie quarterbacks. Tua's, I don't think Tua's starting. I don't think that Tua should start. I think that Ryan yeah, Fitzpatrick should. I don't see why you would. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, I mean, that's just such a fun dynamic to begin with. So, I mean, why rush Tua into it when you have that option there? And then the other one's Justin Herbert over in, in San Diego or L.A. and This could act – well, th- this could actually, you know, hold him back a little longer than we thought, even though there was always a chance that he doesn't play at all this year. But um, Yeah, I, I, I think Tyrod Taylor is who they want. They, they feel as though they have a team that can compete. And so I felt as long as that was the case, that Tyrod was going to get the nod no matter what. Yeah. And I, I agree, the team can compete. they got a lot of weapons at, at wide receiver, tight end, running back. They have a great defense. You know, could – we could be looking at the best defense in the NFL this year. I would not be um, surprised if Tyrod Taylor starts all 16 games, as long as that team's in contention, or at least you know close to. Uh, yeah, I mean, you are going to play the, the Chiefs a couple times. Uh, I mean, so you're going to have some tough games in there no matter what. But Let's say Tyrod Taylor, and we're going to talk a little bit about Tyrod Taylor later on, uh, but not nece- in an indirect way. Let's say Tyrod Taylor starts 16 games. Do you think he's a viable – do you see him just as a streamer? I mean, obviously he's a streamer, but where do you see him finishing? Do you think he can finish top 20, top 15, top 24? Top 20 for sure, I think, because, I mean, he does have the the ground element. Um, and, you know, I mean, he's shown himself to be, you know, a uh, an adequate quarterback in the NFL. It's just – he just always ends up in those situations where it's just the – he's just a placeholder. Um you know, we saw him with the Browns, obviously, got hurt there. I mean, with the Bills, they wanted to move on. With the Ravens, he always had uh, Joe Flacco in his way. I mean, so he's just never really been in a situation where somebody wanted to fully commit to him. But I think he's going to have as much leeway as ever um, in this situation. Okay. Uh, moving on, other news and notes. Uh, I saw that on Twitter that Sean McVay – Said that he that he plans to go with a running back by committee, or he likes running back by committee approach. He, he said that you know just take a look at what Kyle Shanahan did. They had a really efficient you know rushing offense, one of the best in the league, and uh, might not be a bad way to go. And honestly, for football, um, you know I, I think that does make a lot of sense. Hate to hear it as a Cam Akers owner. Um, you know he's one of the higher ceiling. Rookies, um, especially at his ADP, but but is he now? Be. I mean, does that no no no? He was. Um, I, I think definitely now you got to temper your expectations for him. Um, you know, in our in our league where I'm going to be coming in hot in the sixth round, um, yeah. he was a guy that I was going to be, you know, having to take a shot at and counting on really um, taking over that role early. And I, I think that in a lot of ways he is going to show himself to be the best. Um, back in that backfield but are they going to give him the opportunities to separate i don't know um i i think that cam Akers' ceiling has definitely gone down with that kind of if that's what sean McVay wants to do with his offense and he's proven i mean even last year he had a mid-season switch he's proven to adapt to what works 
So I don't, I don't take this as just coach speak. This to right. me seems like something that Sean McVay will do. It's not just a, uh, you know, patent Daryl Henderson on the back saying, "Hey, don't worry about it, bud." You know. But here's here that was my question: Does Daryl Henderson rise in your rankings? Does Malcolm Brown rise in your rankings, or do they do they drop? Do they stay where they're at? I don't know that they drop any. Uh, they weren't guys that I was going to be drafting anyway. Uh, I think mostly it just hurts Cam Akers. And, you know, you just more want to stay away from that backfield unless Cam Akers has fallen to a certain point, you know, and then it's worth it. But Cam Akers still has the highest ceiling out of any of them, in my opinion. Uh, in other news, your favorite guy, Antonio Brown, has retired. <laughs> I don't know why this has been painted as, like, he's my dude. He's like. your guy, man. <laughs> he is retired from football for the third or fourth time. I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think either. this. I think this actually takes him a step closer to getting back in the league. I, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I and honestly, like if he does retire, and and some team, not if he, but if he, you know, if he says like I don't want to play, and then some team has somebody get hurt, Antonio Brown's not who they're going to call because he's not going to play. Yeah, he's he, going to get suspended. Gonna get suspended. <laughs> so to me, it's like maybe he is retiring this time because you can't sign Antonio Brown and hope. You know, to fill in for an injured guy, you you can't because he, he's not going to be able to play for a few weeks. I mean, weeks. I don't know how many times Antonio Brown has to do the I break up with you bit, but, uh, I well, mean, you know, at this could point, be over, but, you know, I'm – At this I'll point, let, the, I'll, the let him, I'll let him sit on my roster as the last guy for however much longer till he's 34, I guess. I don't know. Right. <laughs> uh, so it's no, no big news for you? You don't think that's big news? Oh, I mean, the amount of times that he's right. retired already, I don't think it really matters. It doesn't change his situation any, I don't think. Um, we still know that it's a long shot for him to get signed, and when he does, he's going to get suspended. So I don't think that really changes. Uh, any other news and notes? No. Um, not really that I can think of. Just uh, the preseason that just broke before we came on here um, a little bit ago. Um you know, that's going to be interesting. Hopefully it's not a bad omen for the rest of the season. But I think that it's something that kind of shows good faith to the players. And I think everybody on all sides wants to have a season. Um, I know we have, you know, certain players that have expressed their concerns. But I think overall the owners want to play, the NFL wants to play, most of the players want to play. And when everybody on all sides wants the same thing, I think it's going to get done. So Right. I, uh, I did think of one piece of news that it happened last week, but it happened after we got together. Derrick Henry signed a, a four-year extension. Yeah. Uh, in Dynasty, that obviously makes him a lot more valuable. Yeah, I thought about, you know, shooting over some offers right away. Um, but, you know, when, when, when a guy like that has that type of uptick in value for you, you know, that you're going to have to overpay to get them from the person who has him because they're just – really happy with you know the risk that they took to get a guy like that because I think everybody pretty much thought well they're just going to franchise him I'd rather you know I'd rather invest in Darrington Evans and hope does, that does he, Darrington Evans he drops a lot oh in, he in drops, dynasty. A he drops a ton I mean uh, maybe even if he's there in three years you know um I, I, I haven't looked at all the the cap figures uh on when they can realistically get out from under Derrick Henry um but I mean, by that time, Darrington Evans, who probably they'll probably have drafted somebody else. I mean, yeah, and and reality, I don't think Darrington Evans profiles as this James White, Tariq Cohen type guy. Uh, so 
you know, size-wise, sure, he's a smaller guy, but uh, I, I don't think he's going to be this elite pass catcher out of the backfield. So that kind of eliminates his value uh, in dynasty drafts. His biggest value was if Derrick Henry doesn't come back. So Yep. Uh, Dak Prescott did not sign a tender. We're not going to get into that too much, um, but it's a sad day for Cowboys fans. Um, moving on into uh, – I got one mailbag question for you. Uh, it was originally a two-part question, but recently, uh, I guess this is actually part of the news, but I, I wanted to bring into this question. I was going to ask you with the two two big guys requesting trades. It doesn't happen a lot in the NFL, but uh, Raheem Mostert and David Njoku. Apparently, Raheem Mostert uh, met with a high-level executive for the 49ers, 49ers to air things out. I think what really happened is that Raheem Mostert realized he was not going to be traded because nobody wants him. Nobody's going to pay for him to have to re-sign a 28-year-old running back who's only had one good season, really only one good half of a season. Well, I think initially whenever I saw the news that Raheem Mostert requested a trade, in our society these days, uh, I mean, you know, players have more control than ever. So you see it in the NBA a lot, and you've seen players act enough a fool in the NFL where they can kind of force the team's hand and get to where they want to go. But – you know, so I was excited just to clear up that muddled backfield. But then, you know, the more you think about it and look into it, you're like, all right, what's even a landing spot where he's not just going to another committee? And if he's going to a committee, why would they, number one, trade draft pick compensation or player compensation and then also have to pay this guy just to be in a committee? So there's just really no logic behind it at all. So. Yeah, and and – I will say that Raheem Mostert deserves to get a little bump in pay. I, I think he deserves that, but he should have thought about that before he signed a you know longer contract. You know for the price that he did. Uh, you know I think, you know I, I think that he deserves to get a little bump in pay. He's getting pretty underpaid, but that's kind of the nature of the business sometimes. And so if he has another good season this year, sure maybe he can get. Uh, the payday he deserves, but <laughs> then he's basically thirty-five, right? <laughs> so in running back years, but that the, my my question was going to be, what's a good landing spot? What's an ideal landing spot for Raheem Mostert and David Njoku? Raheem Mostert, the answer is what's going to happen, and that's in San Francisco. Yeah, that that's, is, that's that, is, his that best, is his best. That's landing his best spot. opportunity. I mean, I, I really can't unless the Jaguars just outright cut Leonard Fournette or something, which I think at this point they're just. I, it, it would make more sense for them just to ride it out with Leonard Fournette than to cut him and then, like I said, give up assets to go get this guy and then pay him. Because right. it's just um, for Njoku. I mean, I do think that there's plenty of teams that could use a tight end. I mean, I think of, you know, the Cardinals don't really have anybody um, of note. Uh, I mean,. Gosh, who 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 else were we thinking? I mean, obviously the the Seahawks have a ton of people. The Jaguars, the Jaguars. Hey, Tyler Eifert, come on. <laughs> okay, come on. He's going to reclaim the 2015 glory this year. You mean the 1975 glory when he started <laughs> his career? Like 13 touchdowns. Uh, I I actually have a legitimate argument that he would be great for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, don't do that to Jarwin. I don't think that Blake Jarwin is no, a... No, Njoku, Njoku would be a, a better tight end for the Cowboys than Jarwin. But I think Jarwin's been good. But, I, I mean, I would, Njoku I, is better. Yeah. I would rather have... I think Njoku would, would be great in our offense. I think he's a better pass catcher than Jarwin, a better route runner. It, incredibly, incredible athlete. So I, I would love... I would love the... Obviously, I don't think they will 
no. because they just signed Jarwin a three-year contract. But I think if they had known what was going to happen, they probably would have rather had Njoku than re-sign. Well, I think that they would even consider it, even with Jarwin's contract, if they would have been able to get the DAC deal done. But everything's just so up in the air with their cap and their future and everything. It's hard to make plans for the future. Thanks, Dak. Yeah. I mean, thanks. I mean, it's not all Dak, but it is a good portion of Dak. The, the Cowboys media has done a good job of spinning it on Dak. But you can't they, just cave to every demand always. I mean, that sets a terrible precedence. I mean. Yeah, but, you know, we, we got to pay the guy. Um, anyway, we're not going to get into a Dak argument right now. Uh, I know how you feel. You're, you're all owners all the time. You root for <laughs> your front office. I, I lean for the players. That's just our difference. So we're going to move into the Let's Talk About It segment. Like I said, we're just going to bring up a few guys each that we feel not any really type of way. We don't feel one way or the other. We just want to give you some information on them. We'll give you kind of what we think. But we want you to be able to make your own decision on these guys. They feel just feel like they're overlooked. And for positive or negative reasons, we feel like maybe you shouldn't be overlooking them in case they do come up to you in certain parts of the draft. Because a lot of these guys are going to be someone you're choosing between, and so we want to give you some information on those guys. The first guy we're going to start with, it's shocking that he's being overlooked, but he's not being talked about, and that's Julio Jones. You know, Calvin Ridley, we've heard a lot about Calvin Ridley. We've, we've heard a lot about how Calvin Ridley is gonna should take a step forward. We've heard a little bit about Matt Ryan and how this should be another great year for Matt Ryan. I'm in on the Calvin Ridley taking a step forward. I am. Um, but I don't think that any of this news is at the detriment of Julio Jones. And I don't even know that the lack of talk about Julio Jones is because anybody thinks he's going to take a step back. I just think everybody's just – it's just such commonplace that Julio is good and he's not getting he, – you can't get any more hype. You know, like he doesn't have more hype. You can't like when you when you go for basically fourteen hundred yards for six years in a row. I mean, you're there's no hype anymore. You just are it, right? And, and so like, here's what I don't understand. According to Fantasy Pros, which Fantasy Pros does a consensus ADP, so they take the consensus of three different draft sources and put them all together. Um, and for do you want to do half PPR? Yeah, half PPR. We're doing half PPR uh, rankings. Julio Jones is the fifth-ranked fifth receiver off the board, 14th overall. But he's going after Michael Thomas, sure. I would I would argue to put him at number two there just yeah, because I, I, the, the Packers are run-heavy. Tyreek Hill is m- more of a boom-bust guy. He's got a huge high ceiling in week-to-week. Then DeAndre Hopkins just moved teams, so you don't even know what's going to happen there. Julio Jones – is the safer pick out of all them. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand. Wolf. I mean, you're talking about a guy who has, like you said, for the last six years, even when missing a game last year, has yeah. had at least almost 1,400 yards. 1,394 yeah. is his lowest. Almost 1,400 yards for six straight seasons. He's on a team with a bad defense and a high-scoring division. Yes, there's loss of targets from Sanu and, and, and Hooper, and you add in Hurst. Russell Gage isn't going to – He's yeah, you should draft Russell Gage late in deep leagues, but Russell Gage isn't going to make take anything away from Julio Jones. There's room for Calvin Ridley to gain targets on top of what he's already making. Throughout Julio Jones' career, there's been a good wide receiver Roddy with Roddy White's him. been Roddy there. Roddy White, yeah. <laughs> you know, so 
there's no reason to believe that Julio Jones is taking a step back. Nothing has, has said that about him. The only thing you might want to look at is his touchdown total. But in, in my opinion, um, that can only go up. I mean, six last year, eight the year before, three in 2017, six the year before that, eight before that, six before that, two in 2013 but, when he was hurt. Yeah, five games. And then... Uh, and then 10 and 8 in, in 2012-2011. So you're looking at a guy who scored at least six touchdowns in every year but one that he's been healthy. And and we are gonna, we can all agree that 2017 was just a – we remember that year. It was a hor- – we was, was waiting for Julio Jones to get his first touchdown. Oh, and he, had, and he had an absurd amount of red zone targets that year. I mean, I remember watching – I think it was in the actual football playoffs – and it was just brutal watching Matt Ryan go to him two or three times in a row, and he'd get his hands on it, and just things just didn't connect. Like, and and it was, it just wasn't going his way. And he rebounded the next year with eight, down a little bit last year to six. I mean, I I think six is the floor for touchdowns for him this year. I mean, I, I think it's it's a sure thing that he's getting six. Well, and with Austin Hooper gone, like I don't, I I I believe in Hayden Hurst. But I don't know that Hayden Hurst fills the red zone role the way that Austin Hooper did. No. I think that I think Hayden Hurst is still a guy you draft, but I think that Julio Jones will pick up a few more red zone targets, which is only going to you would you would believe that, that all that means is that he's going to improve on not only his six, but probably his eight. I think his his ceiling is more like his two thousand twelve year ten yeah. to twelve receiving touchdowns. Um, I could see him set a career high this year. <laughs> He'd be the number one receiver overall if he could get to 12 touchdowns, I feel. I mean, because that, that means so much more for him in general. Yeah, because, I mean, his yards, you, you got to assume, there's no reason to assume that he's not going to get 1,400 yards. Yeah, I mean, 1,394 definitely is lowest, and it was last year. But I mean, before that, 1,677, 1,444, 1,409. 1871, 1593. I mean, the dude's a monster. There's no reason that he needs to be dropping to the middle of the second round. Or even in the second round, really. I mean, I get that running backs are king early in drafts, but I mean, if you're looking for a receiver, I don't see why you would shy away from taking Julio. Yeah, I mean, he, he I mean, last year he only got um let me see, he only got what, sixteen red zone targets last year? He caught twelve of those. You know, and and but the the problem is that that he didn't get very many um, inside inside in the, the, in uh, the end zone. Yeah, in the end zone, he was he was getting them short of the end zone yeah, in, inside but, the twenty. But but when you look at their offense and what they you know what they're capable of from the ten yards ten yard zone in, he had five tar- or five touchdowns on seven targets, um, or seven receptions uh, on eight targets. So I I mean that's pretty to me it's like they look at these numbers. They don't have Austin Hooper. They're in the red zone. Sure, you have you have Todd Gurley now, and I think that was a big part of it too last year, is that you didn't have a, a running back that was going to attract attention in the red zone. You know, Ish Smith, uh, Devontae Freeman half the year. Ito Smith. Uh, oh, yeah, Edo Smith, uh, thing in basketball. Um, who was the other one? Brian Hill. Like, yeah. So you lose those guys, and you – well, you had Hooper get hurt too, so that that took even you know more of the coverage t- away right. from that and put right. it on Julio. But I think with Todd Gurley in there, you're going to attract more people in the. Which the idea in the red zone is, can we get Julio Jones on an island? Because if Julio Jones is on an island, you go to Julio Jones ten out of ten times. Yeah, and so I think that's going to happen more often this year than it did last year with Todd Gurley. 
at running back and Calvin Ridley hopefully taking this this step forward that we all project him to and being a threat in the red zone. So Julio Jones right now ADP is is 14 overall, uh, fifth receiver off the board. If you get him as the fifth receiver, that means you're getting him at the turn of the second round in 12-team leagues, middle of the second round in 10-team leagues. You're getting yourself a steal. Listen, I mean, Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers this year in fantasy? Mm. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. I think it's pretty easy. I mean, just think about that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been on the downturn. They're rushing the ball like crazy. Of course, Devontae Adams is going to have a wide receiver one year. They're, he's going to be good. But I just don't think that he has quite the upside that Julio Jones has. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we're going to move on to our next player here. Um, who did you want to talk about next? Well, I think we should stick with receiver and go ahead and move on. Just move on down the, the, the line a little bit and talk a little bit about Mike Evans. Okay. Yeah, uh, Mike Evans is a guy um, – Done something really that um, doesn't happen often, if ever. He's gone for a thousand yards in all six of his first seasons. I, I mean, it, sounds it, a lot like Julio Jones. Just really, a, just really incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, if Julio, Julio was what forty-one yards away from going for a thousand in his rookie year, and then he had his one year that he was hurt. So Evans has been lucky on the injury front. And he's he's been the guy, and I just don't understand why he's dropping to where he is um, in the third round. I think that if you're in the third round and you're looking for a receiver, I don't see why you would shy away from Evans. And I'm guilty of it too. Um, and, and just sometimes you just gotta stop and get rid of whatever preconceived notion you have, and just look at the the numbers and go, why would I not take this guy? Yeah, I think I mean he's the the eighth guy, eighth receiver off the board, which I think is where he should be. I I, I like him above Amari Cooper, above Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Odell, Cooper Cub, AJ Brown. I like him above all those guys. I don't know how I feel about him being behind Kenny Galladay. I think I'd. Here's the argument I'll make. So I, I and we're just talking redraft, we're right? Not talking dynasty or nothing. And and I will make. I can I agree with you on Mike Evans' value. Look at the numbers. He's never had less than 1,000 yards. Uh, he's a touchdown machine. He's massive. Eight touchdowns a year, 15 games a year in his career. I mean. So you've got your floor, right? You've got a guy who's, got a, who's had consistently a good floor. However, Mike Evans excels at the deep ball. Um, Tom Brady averages six Point six two <laughs> yards per throw, which means that a lot of his yardage is going to have to come underneath. Well, this is a guy who had less than twenty three percent of his receiving yards came after the catch last year, mm-hmm. and that's that's not Mike Evans' game. He's not a a yak guy. He's not going to catch the ball and make things happen. What are we thinking red zone wise? See, now that's where the argument can be made that he just, I mean. Tom Brady loves Gronk. He loves his tight ends, and he's got two really big tight ends in the red zone. He's got O.J. Howard and, and Gronk. So I, I, I don't think that Mike Evans – I think Mike Evans is on pace to have his worst season of his career. That you being think, you said – You think he has less than 1,000 yards? E- I don't I – don't, I don't think there's a way that I could, that I could make that. I don't bet. think I could justify that he has less than, than – 
a thousand yards, but I think I think I can justify him having. Five I, I think he'll have an uptick in catches, which okay. will help him get to the thousand yard mark. You think they'll maybe just go ahead and plan some routes for him, scheme him right. to get the ball, but he's not going to be able to make it happen after the catch. So. I see him around the eighty catch range, okay, but with with a much lower yards per catch. Than he's had oh, for his definitely career. Yards per catch is coming down. I, I can and, see that. and if that's the case, then his yards will he will he will yeah. barely break a yeah. thousand yards. And then I don't think he'll score his. I don't think his, he'll get his average of eight touchdowns. I think he'll be sitting around five. And I think I think he has a good floor. And I think that if you draft him in the third round as your second wide receiver. Or your first I wide would, receiver? I would say he's – if you're going to draft him – I mean, I'd be happy with him as my wide receiver too, definitely. Yeah. Uh, wide receiver one, I think you're just going to be looking to overpower the other teams with your running back play, and he's going to be safe enough to keep you in contention all season. Well, and if you went – if you let's say you went running back, running back, and then Mike Evans, I would assume, depending on – obviously this depends on it's, what falls to you. We know but, it's deep for, run, for receivers. I yeah, mean. if you get another – you can get a guy in the fourth round like – Calvin Ridley or A.J. Brown, somebody with a much higher ceiling than Mike Evans has. Because I don't think Mike Evans has much of a ceiling, but I think he has a great floor. Because I just don't think that he's – and I've made this argument about Henry Ruggs before, and I'll say the same thing about Mike Evans. I don't think he's going to get utilized in the way that he excels. He's not going to be used as a downfield threat in the same way he was with a gunslinger like Jameis Winston. I remember whenever Brandon Cooks um, went to the Patriots – and uh, unfortunately, that year I drafted Des Bryant and Brandon Cooks uh, at the one-two turn. And uh, obviously, Des Bryant sucked that year. I think he had the injury most of the year. But I was convinced Brady never had a target like this. Uh, it's going to be absurd off the charts. And I mean, you know, Cooks did his thing. He got to a thousand yards, but which it is, really left you wanting more. And that's how and that's, I think Mike Evans is. I, I, yeah. think, I think we can agree that that might be similar. But we're not talking about early second round like I took Cooks. We're talking in the third. And so I just think that I've had an unfair uh, position on Mike Evans thus far in mock drafts. And I think I, I might consider him more often in the third. We're going to move on to just a few spots down to Adam Thielen, a guy who I don't think is getting – talked about enough what what are your thoughts on Adam Thielen here at the 28th overall player uh, 11th receiver off the board you're looking uh you know early or early third round mid third round pick how do you feel about Adam Thielen well um I mean he's really never had any injury issues he's never he'd never missed a game uh prior to this season and we know what happened this season was he just came back a little bit too early. You know, they, they wanted to compete. They brought him back, and, uh, you know, he re-aggravated his injury. And so that's just really not been a reoccurring theme in his career, so I don't think that it's anything that we need to look too far into. Uh, I think he's, what, he's 29 maybe? 29, he's yeah. He's 29, so, I mean, he's still in his prime there. And they shipped off Diggs. So, um, you know, Justin Jefferson's going to try to fill that role, maybe see Herb Smith step up some. Dalvin Cook's going to get his nut in the uh, – Passing game, but mostly, I mean, there's it's no an interesting choice of, of of words. There's there. no reason. There's no reason why Thielen caught me off guard for. I was like, did he just say that? He did. He just said that. There's no reason. You know, a squirrel gets a nut. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. no reason that um, Adam Thielen shouldn't be a wide receiver one this year, or at least be in that conversation. So, um, you know, I I just think that 
he's dropping or he's at least equal to where he was last year. And last year he had the threat of Stefan Diggs still. So, well, I think also, uh, you know, he, him and him and Kirk cousins have a great rapport. Yeah. They 131.9 QB rating for Kirk cousins when he throws to, uh, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen had six touchdowns last year in his limited, uh, yeah. limited game. So he's going to get used. He does get loose, man. And and here's the deal too, uh, with with Adam Thielen is that he is a great route runner and he is able. He did really well last year against man coverage. He is excels against zone coverage, which means he can excel on the outside. Um, and and he has this. We have this view of Adam Thielen that he's a inside receiver, but if you look at at his Diggs was the inside guy, right? More you, than yeah. If you Thielen look at was. his, um, you know his 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 route running and and what he's done against you know on the outside, he's he's been great as an outside receiver. And so you know we've had this argument. We've heard that people the little bit that I have heard about Adam Thielen is that a lot of people have been worried about his move to the outside, but I think statistics show that he's going to do just fine against you know that outside man coverage. The other thing is, too, is he will still see time in the slot. Him and Justin Jefferson will rotate in. I mean, Justin Jefferson is more of a slot guy than Stephen Diggs, but he profiles a lot like Stephen Diggs. Um, and so, you know, they are, they are kind of getting a poor man's Diggs in Jefferson. Slightly a cheap, poor man. A cheap, a cheaper, man, cheap, a cheap man's Diggs. <laughs> and they're going to use him in the same way they use Diggs. And so I, I, I think that Adam Thielen has – he was hurt last year, but other than that, Adam Thielen has been inc- he was incredible in 2017 and 2018. Well, and it, another another reason to be a little bit disappointed about the lack of preseason games this year is you know Adam Thielen had even come out and said like man if it weren't for preseason or opportunities like that to prove myself I wouldn't be in the league and right. so you know that's that's one of those instances where it's just a shame that they're not going to be able to have it but if that's what it takes to have the season then let's do it. Yeah, I uh, moving on. You know, that's our take on Adam Thielen. We think that he's a great for right there. He has a to me. He has he has wide receiver one ceiling. Yeah, uh, easy. You know, and I know he's going technically as a wide receiver one in, in you know at eleven. I think that he could hit that mid range wide receiver one. I think he could finish you know top six receiver. Uh, that six, seven, eight range is is well within his grasp. Uh, based on what we've I seen mean, from him, yeah, I mean, he he can you know he could pass guys like you know I mean Kennedy Galladay, Mike Evans, I mean Amari Cooper, Allen, I mean those Allen Robinson, those are all guys that are right there in the mix for him. I think he could shuffle in with any of those guys. So we're gonna move on to a guy. You know, we've talked we've talked pretty highly of a lot of these guys so far: Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and Adam Thielen. We want to talk about a guy who maybe. We aren't as high on where his ADP is, but he's not being talked about enough. And we here's what, what scares me whenever we have a guy who you don't talk about often. And this has happened to me in drafts, is that he pops up in, on my, you know, especially when we're not drafting in person, uh, we're drafting on a computer, he pops up as, hey, this is the next guy that's going according to ADP. Yeah. And he's six spots ahead of some, you know, the next guy at his position. You know, and, and it's like, well, you know what? I don't know much about him. I might as well go with him, right? I'm on. You know, it seems like a good value here, and this is where this kind of podcast comes into play, where you can look back and think, like, all right, well, no, this is what I know about him, and this is why I don't know that he's he's right in this spot. And this is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones right now is going as the 15th overall, or I'm sorry, um, 
Yeah, 15th overall. No, t- but yeah, 15th, back. 15th overall player, but 10th overall running back. He's going after you know Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, but he's going before Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, uh, Leonard Fournette. I, 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 would, I would not be able to draft him over Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, or Austin Eckler. No, I mean, Kenyon Drake, I mean, just in what we are hoping to be an elite fantasy offense, I, I think that in what he showed down the stretch last season is – Absurd. I know that Aaron Jones had a crazy touchdown total last year. Uh, I mean, we know personally because uh, the Cowboys we've been victimized. But um, yeah, I, I mean, they just they've shown a propensity to not be willing to give him that workload, and he got it last year. But then they turn around and draft a guy right behind him, and so Jamal Williams is still there, and. I, I can't lie if I if I would say that I didn't think that Aaron Rodgers is going to want to air it out a little more this year, just to uh, kind of rub it uh, rub it in their face that they drafted Jordan Love. So I, there's a lot of stuff that says to me I'd rather have this guy in the third round than early second. Here's here's some things I want to talk about that scare me about Aaron Jones. One, he only had 236 carries last year. That number is not going to go up. That number is going to go down. He he at, at best. You could see him right around that same number this year, you know, 225 to 240 range. But I don't see him as a 250 to 275 carry guy. So, on 236 carries, he reached 1000 yards. That's great. He did have 49 receptions for 474 yards. That's great. What scares me is that he had 19 touchdowns last year. So, I did a little bit re- little bit of research. On running backs since 2013, who have had at least 19 touchdowns, or I'm excuse me, at least 16 touchdowns since 2013, there have been uh, six running backs who have had at least 16 touchdowns. One of them, Todd Gurley, did it twice. He's the only one to repeat. Starting in 2013, Jamal Charles had 19 total touchdowns. He had 14 the next year. 2014, Marshawn Lynch had 17 touchdowns. He had three the next season. 2016, David Johnson had 20. He got hurt the next year, so he had zero. But even the year after, in 2018, he had 10. LeGarrette Blunt, 2016, 18 touchdowns. 2017, three. Alvin Kamara, 2018, 18 touchdowns. 2019, six. Todd Gurley, 2017, 19 touchdowns. 2018, 21 touchdowns. And then in 2019, uh, last year, I think he had eight touchdowns, six or eight touchdowns. Um, the other, the other part about Aaron Jones that he was 13th in red zone rushes at 33. That's not a great number. However, he scored on 14 touchdowns inside the 20. So 14 of his 16 rushing touchdowns came inside the 20. He had eight touchdowns inside the five. Those numbers are not going to that's a that's a hard efficiency to repeat and they added AJ Dillon who is bound to steal a a rush inside the 5 or 2. We're basically talking about uh AJ Brown uh reflected over a full season but if they drafted a wide receiver also and he had more competition the next year. So well, and, and <laughs> the difference with with AJ Brown and Aaron Jones is AJ Brown we expect his we expect him to regress on his efficiency, but to uh, positively regress on, in his, his on his workload. Yeah. Whereas Aaron Jones, I don't see there being a positive regression in his workload. No. I, I mean, 236 carries and 49 receptions will be hard enough to repeat in that offense. 
Now, the only thing going for him in terms of receptions is that A.J. Dillon's not a receiving back. Jamal Williams was there last year, even though he did miss a little bit of time. And the Packers did not add any receiving help. So They never so, do. So, yes, he could still be – I could still see him being used in the, offense, in the passing offense in that way. But I, but I don't see him being used in the rushing game the same. 236 carries to me is unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Aaron Jones is a guy that, um, you know, it, it, he's hard for me to even – because sometimes with our kind of specialty <laughs> – League and unfortunately in sleeper right now you you can't mock draft based off of your current league's draft board so based off of uh, pick trades and everything like that so sometimes I've got to transcribe some stuff in if I'm going to do a mock draft and he's a guy that you know it's it's tough for me to assign to somebody and that's just based off my own bias you know I'm kind of like okay no that would be dumb to take him here dumb to take him here and then it gets to a point where it's like somebody has to take him but like. It's kind of gross, you know, in the second round. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like taking Aaron Jones. I think right around that range, there's some other receivers I might want to take. George Kittle. Uh, yeah, I'd rather George take George Kittle, Kittle or Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah, um, I'd rather see. If, now you tell me, mid third round, Aaron Jones is there. Yes, that's where I think he needs to be because that's and, probably your RB two, and that's where I want him. You know, if yeah. you're taking him mid second round, he's if he's your RB two. Okay, but even then, I, I, I think I can get more value out of somebody else mid-second round than I can Aaron Jones. Tyler, I'm going to let you take the next one. Just you know, anybody off your list you, you think we need to discuss? Yeah, I'm going uh, to speed it up a little bit further down my list. I mean, I've got some other guys kind of middle rounds. I mean, we've talked about Julian Edelman before. Um, I know this is supposed to be, you know, people that uh, – players that people aren't talking about. But Marquise Brown, I think, is still extremely undervalued at his ADP of 77 right now. Uh, Jordan Howard's another guy, but I will uh, say this about Marquise Brown: what shocked me is he has been talked about quite a bit as being undervalued, and he's still not rising. That's, that's in what ADP. I'm saying. Like people like are talking about him, and, and he's still not going up. Like he's still being taken in the same spot. And like I know in a lot of mock drafts, I'm taking him in the, oh, in the sixth or seventh round. Yeah, like, and so I mean to have him. And the one we did, the one we did last week, uh, you know, I took Marquise Brown and you know paired him with AJ Brown and Julian Edelman. So. You're talking about having him as your as your flex, like worst case scenario, and that's a guy who really does have like top fifteen upside. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I just want to touch real quick on. I know that these guys have been talked about a lot, but it's not because of who they are. Uh, it's because of the rookies that were drafted to replace them. Uh, Marlon Mack and Carryon Johnson. Marlon Mack. Um, I think that these are both guys that where they're going in drafts, ADP 87 and 92 uh, respectively, that depending on what your strategy was early on, these are guys that you can plug in and help you get wins early in the season, and they don't cost you a lot. I mean, you're, you're talking about the difference of drafting – them or you know like a wide receiver three or four um or taking a shot at a quarterback that you can probably wait on and get a better look at or tight end i mean these are guys at a very valuable position that will have workloads that can be startable early on and with marlon mack their season-long schedule is the easiest in the nfl um so that just lends itself to success for the team, and that lends itself to success for Marlon Mack. So we could see Jonathan Taylor's rise pushed off a little bit just by an easy schedule. 
Right. I think one thing that kind of stands out to me that that is that Marlon Mack has one year left on his deal. And in the NFL, we've seen countless times over and over again where running backs are overutilized in their first three years, four years in the NFL, and then they, they kind of wash out. And that's why we've constantly talked about the shelf life of a running back being lower than everyone else. What I Marlon Mack is a completely competent and capable running back. He also has great receiving chops. So to me, it's like Marlon Mack serves them better as a competing team this year than Jonathan Taylor. Now, if Jonathan Taylor comes out and puts up Zeke-like numbers, and I've seen somebody compare him to Zeke, and, and that's fine. Uh, I think if Zeke was a more all-around back than him coming out, it's so unfortunate <laughs> where Zeke's at right now in terms of his lack of big playability. But, um, now I, but I have heard them compare him to Zeke in terms of their numbers and their receptions. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he is going to be one-dimensional just because they have Naeem Hines there. But, yes, Marlon Mack, I think, is going to have plenty of opportunity to, you know, hold him off for a little while. If you're choosing between Mack and on, who are you going to take? I'll probably take Mack because of the lack of injury risk. Um, but, you know, on does have the lower. There is a world. I want, I want this to be clear. There is a world where on Johnson outplays DeAndre Swift. Carryon Johnson has been a good running back when given opportunities and when when healthy. He so just, if, he just if hasn't been healthy. Yeah, if he's healthy for 16 games, there's no reason to believe that DeAndre Swift is just going to just trump him in carries with and, no with no preseason. Yeah, with, I, I mean, I, I completely like I, I regular completely, season games aren't the time to try to figure out if your rookie's good or not. It's the time to win. So that's that's what it's going to come down to. So. And in, in the current climate with the, the COVID and, and how they are – I will say it is good. We didn't mention this in news and notes, but there is no minimum time to be on the commissioner's exempt list if you have COVID, uh, which is a good thing because if somebody stops showing symptoms and comes up with two negative tests in five days, then that means they can play. But it does mean that guys like Marlon Mack, on Johnson, really any backup running back that will, that will see a heavy workload if they're – complimentary back or their starting back goes down, they have value in these late rounds already because of that in this particular season. Then you take two guys who have shown to be successful on the field and you add in the fact that there's no preseason for the two rookies coming in to get acclimated. So you're going to you're going to see them early in the year getting a, a pretty heavy load. They're not you know I don't see Marlon Mack getting 20 carries or 20 touches. He'll get 12 to 15. Same with Carryon Johnson. And if that's the case, behind an offensive line that is great, Marlon Mack could easily come out and be one of the best running backs for the first six weeks of the year. And then, of course, you know Frank Reich has a decision to make. Do I, do I move on to Jonathan Taylor or do I keep riding my hot hand in Marlon Mack? I think in, in Detroit, Kerryon Johnson will have a role as long as he's healthy. He's, yep. he's very talented. To me, he's, him, and, him and DeAndre Swift profile very similarly. They can both do everything mm-hmm. on the field. I mean, he's got a longer leash than Mac just based off their contracts. Right, right. I mean, right. Yeah. So um, I'm going with Mac too just for the, for the exact same reason, really, injury risk. But either one, if I'm that late in drafts, and especially when I'm looking at my running backs, if I've got – if I went you know wide receiver heavy, let's say I went George Kittle second round, wide receiver third and fourth – and then you know maybe picked a running back up in the fifth or sixth. I'd love to have a guy like Mac or Carry on there too uh, to help me 
you know, for for a lot of different reasons to have a guy like that that's pretty sturdy uh, and is – I don't see them. They're not going to have a high ceiling, but their floor is not as low as, as maybe people are making it out to seem. Yeah. Uh, I want to touch on a guy. I want to touch on a guy real quick. Uh, he's a, a Chargers wide receiver, but he's not the one that we talked about previously. It's not Keenan Allen. You know, I went on a big – uh, spiel about Keenan Allen and and how I felt about him going in. I thought he was, um, you know, I thought I was going to be able to tear him down, and I wasn't. Same goes for Mike Williams. Mike Williams is a wide receiver two in LA. Uh, he is currently going uh, 109th overall, 42nd receiver off the board. He's going after Emmanuel Sanders, which I I don't agree with. I don't know what you think on that. I know you've got Emmanuel Sanders on your list. Uh, we maybe could. I guess compare the two here, but uh, to me, uh, Mike Williams is a big play guy. And here's what people forget about Tyrod Taylor, is that when Tyrod Taylor was in Buffalo, he threw the ball down the field. I mean, if you take out his Cleveland and Baltimore years, his his average yards uh, per attempt is like 7.2. You know, that would have ranked top 12, uh, I believe top 12 or top 14 in the NFL last year. So he's going to throw the ball down the field to Mike Williams. And Mike Williams has proven that time and time again that he can make the catch, that he can make things happen, and he's not going to be a consistent weekly floor guy, but he's a great lottery ticket, a great guy to slide in there and say, hey, this guy might catch eight to nine touchdown passes this year, and you know if I start him on the right week against the right opponent, I'm that's a weekly winner. Now, I can't hate on... Your Mike Williams love here. Um, they are going one after another, basically. Um, I, I think they're very similar, honestly. Not 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 the way they play. Not the way they play. Uh, their situations are similar in terms of they're both probably the third option on their team. I mean, Mike Williams might he's going to be right there with Hunter Henry. Emmanuel Sanders might be right there with Jared Cook. But you're looking at Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. You're looking at Keenan Allen. You're looking at Austin Eckler. In front of them, I think they both have the same type of upside for your team. Um, Mike Williams maybe just edging him out on touchdown, uh, the touchdown scenario. Here's what bothers me: I see guys like John Brown and Darius Slayton uh, going above him, even Christian Kirk, and I I see Mike Williams as more explosive than those three. I, I mean, I put him right on par with John Brown. I, I think he's exactly the same as John Brown, but in an offense that is going to throw the ball more. I think the Chargers will throw the ball more than the Bills. And Tyrod Taylor has an incredibly underrated arm. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, that Mike Williams is a great lottery ticket late in drafts. I would have no problem taking him uh, around the time that people were taking John Brown, Darius Slayton, uh, Christian Kirk. I would probably want Marvin Jones over Mike Williams. I'd want Marvin Jones over all, all five of those guys that we just said. But – I definitely want Mike Williams over Emmanuel Sanders because I think his week-to-week ceiling is, is higher than Emmanuel Sanders. His week-to-week floor is probably lower, but I would at this point in the draft, I'd rather have his upside. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the last guy I want to talk about is a quarterback. Uh, he is going virtually undrafted. <laughs> yeah, probably undrafted. Uh, I think we have him here. According to Fantasy Pros, he is the 201st pick in drafts. He's the 26th quarterback off the board. It's Derek Carr. I want to throw some stats out there for you. He was 8th in QB rating. He was ninth in yards per pass at 7.9. Last year. Last year. Last year. All right. He was 12th in passing yards. He was 
uh, ninth in red zone attempts, and 15, but his 15 touchdowns were 16th. His passing touchdowns in the year was 21, which was 19th. And his attempts was only 513, which is 17th. However, he was QB 8 from week 7 on. This, to me, is a guy who will see an uptick in passing attempts. So at 513 last year, I think he's looking more at – because I think the offense will run more plays. I think it will be a better offense. Their defense has improved. They will run more plays. I think that they will um, – their defense has improved, but their secondary has not. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think they're going to see more uh, passing opportunities, and I think that they will throw the ball somewhere in the – he'll get somewhere in the 550 to 560 attempts range. His touchdowns are bound to regress from 21, uh, positively. I, I think that they should – he should probably see somewhere in the 27 to 26 range of touchdowns. And then, you know, his yards over 4,000 last year, that's, that's bound to increase with his added weapons. And he's, he's already shown they're going to give him the opportunity to throw the ball in the red zone. He's just got to add on to the touchdowns in that area. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are all useful numbers. Uh, I, I, like, I like the Raiders. You know, I like Josh Jacobs. I like Darren Waller. I like Hunter Renfro. I like Henry Ruggs. Um, you know, those are all great guys. Um, I don't mind taking a shot at Derek Carr late in drafts. Obviously, don't well, look count, his, don't count on him as your number one. So that that's he's, all I'm saying. He's going yeah. behind. I mean, Derek Carr has top twelve potential. He has he has he has top fifteen potential. Well, well I mean, there was there was a time a few years ago where he was probably you know the hottest uh, dynasty quarterback there was. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he had an MVP season yeah. you know close to not too long ago. But he's going after Sam Darnold. Uh, Drew Locke, Phillip Rivers, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I would take Derek Carr over those guys. You know, I, I, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have uh, the weapons that, that other people are having, that, that other people have. Kirk Cousins is in an offense that runs the ball more than it throws. Uh, Drew Locke did not throw the ball that often last year, and he wasn't great when he did. And Sam Darnold, we've seen Sam Darnold. And then Phillip Rivers was garbage last year. So I, I don't see how Derek Carr doesn't go above those guys. He's going behind Cam Newton. I would probably take Cam Newton. Uh, above uh, Be- Derek because Carr. this is probably your second quarterback, right? Right. Yeah, and Cam Newton, you know, he whenever he plays a full season, he's a top five quarterback. All right. Well, Tyler, do you want to touch on anybody else before we? Close uh, no, out? we can we can wrap it up. I just want to say uh, a couple things. I want to say draft Tony Pollard. Um, he is one of the you know best running backs at a big play waiting to happen. Uh, he's going to be useful whether Zeke is healthy or not. And if Zeke goes down, he's a league-winning running back. And also, chill out on Jonathan Taylor because we talked about Marlon Mack. Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is getting very, very overvalued right now. I I don't – I personally don't want any shares of him in the the third or third round or or fourth round, really. I'd rather see him as a fifth-round guy. Maybe late fourth, but if David Montgomery – I don't think David Montgomery should go behind him. I'm going to say that right now. Uh, Well, guys, thanks for joining us uh, for our Let's Talk About It segment. If you have any feedback, feel free to get us on our Instagram page, Washed Up Hasbins. We're going to be changing everything to Washed Up Hasbins Fantasy Football, so look for us on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, Tyler and I are trying to work to be more active on Twitter. Uh, But but give us any feedback, any mailbag questions. We're open to everything, uh, unless it's negative. Uh, I'm just just kidding. Uh, No, give us any feedback. Anything, please. Anything. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and uh, please go comment on our post from from last 
last, uh, last week and let us know who you think had the better mock draft. So basically just agree with, with, uh, with me. So thanks for joining us, Tyler. Any, any uh, farewell words, farewell wise words for you, for us? No, that's it. Just draft Tony Pollard, lighten drafts. All right. Have a good weekend, guys. <laughs>